You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Football Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Powell, and I'm back. Finally, it feels great to be back. And before we get into our Game Week 21 episode... I'd just like to apologise for my absence from the past two weeks or so. It's been absolutely hectic, personally, in my life for the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's not been it's not been a fantastic couple of weeks, but now I'm back. And I'll be bringing a proper scheduled episodes, as always, on a Tuesday and Friday. So, please do stay tuned. Starting this week's episode, though, and I'll be going through all of the Premier League games from this past weekend, starting, of course, with Wolves' trip to Fulham on Friday night. With Fulham bottling a 1-0 lead last week against Villa, which, of course, saw them go on to lose 3-1, conceding all three goals in the last 10-15 to minutes, I was very interested as to how the Cottagers would bounce back. And not very well was the answer. Um... I thought in this game uh, that Fulham were the better side slightly. They created double the chances of Wolves. But as it ha- as it's happened for the majority of the season, they just couldn't turn those chances in. They've been so wasteful in converting chances this season. I think it's just 6%, the lowest in the league. And which in a relegation scrap, it's never going to be a good thing, is it? Just to put that into context though, Fulham have created 36 expected goals and they've scored just four, which, I mean, it speaks for itself, doesn't it really? Um, Wolves looked like they were going into the break ahead um, before VAR decided to overturn said goal due to an armpit being offside. This offside rule is, it's just getting silly now, isn't it? Um, I'll get onto that a bit later though. Um, although Fulham were the better team, of course, it was Wolves who made the most of their seven chances when Adama Traore scored his first Premier League goal of the season in the 92nd minute. 
which in all fairness, it was a fantastic finish from a very tight angle. But that goal means that Fulham have again conceded a last-minute goal, dropping four points from their last two games alone. I don't know about you, but with Fulham finding a bit of form again, it unfortunately looks like the team I've been backing from the start look to be going down, which is a massive shame because I've loved watching Fulham this season. They've been great to, they've been a great team to watch, and I'm gutted that they're not going to be able to do it. There's still a little bit of hope in me that's praying that they will, but I just can't see it happening now. Saturday's early game saw Manchester City host Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United in a highly anticipated battle and Pep Roulette was at it again, leaving Ruben Diaz, Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez all on the bench in a massively weakened Man City side and there's no surprises that it cost them. Leeds sat back and soaked up all of the pressure which Man City were looking to put on them, which is the complete opposite to Bielsa's normal style. But they preserved their energy for when they needed it and when their chances came, they took them. Stuart Dallas was the first man of the afternoon to get on the score sheet when he smashed the ball off the inside of the post which ended up nestling in the back of the net. Just after taking the lead, though, Leeds saw themselves go down to 10 men after Liam Cooper's high, rash challenge on Gabriel Jesus. And one thing I did notice about this, though, was when Cooper was sent off. Instantly after, Leeds were able to make a sub and replace Bamford with another defender. I mean, surely that can't be allowed. The free kick from the foul hadn't even been taken yet. And Leeds were still able to take a striker off to replace them with a forward. Anyways, I just that was just one thing that stood out to me that I couldn't get my head round as to why they were allowed to do that. But I guess it's not against the rules. But anyway, um, after that, Leeds went into halftime 1-0 up as expected. Um, the second half was very much like the first. City were wasteful and Leeds were just able to soak up that pressure. Um, Sterling in particular has been dreadful this season and if I'm being perfectly honest I've never really rated Sterling at all for me he's always been a very average player in, in, in an incredible Manchester City side and with the way that Man City have been in recent years I've, I feel like I could have racked up the amount of goals and assists that Sterling has but clearly there must be something more than what I'm just what I'm not seeing because Pep wouldn't just go along with a player being bang average, would he? So there's clearly something that I'm not seeing. But eventually, after 75 minutes of constant pushing, Man City got their equaliser. But Leeds, though, fair play to them, took their second and final shot of the game in the 91st minute as Stuart Dallas again got his second of the goal second goal of the game to put the visitors ahead for the second time and that's how it ended Leeds United 2 Manchester City 1 not that it changes much City will still walk away with the league and Leeds will still finish in mid-table but what a result for Leeds fair play to them they played Man City to perfection and the Man City weakened side and the substitutes that Pep decided to bring on just weren't enough for them but Fair play, Leeds. You won the game fair and square. Well done. Aston Villa travelled up to the red side of Merseyside 
to take on a Liverpool side who were there for the taking, but in typical Aston Villa fashion, we just couldn't make the most of it, could we? Um, Liverpool were much the better team in this one. Um, yet we were somehow able to go into half-time 1-0 up, though, through Ollie, through an Ollie Watkins goal. But mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake cost us, leading to Roberto Firmino turning the ball into the back of the net before it was called back for an offside on Diogo Jota. Um, I said earlier that I was going to talk about the offsides and that later, so I'm, I'm going to talk about it now. Um, this offside was just a joke, and the fact that it's happening so much as well just shows that there's got to be some sort of leniency because the frame frames and everything that VAR are using to determine whether a player is offside or not, it's never going to be an exact science. And for that reason, that like cricket, like there has in cricket, there needs to be some sort of buffer. Now, I'm not too sure what that could be. Maybe you could add another centimetre or two to give the forward a bit more room to work with. But the way offside works, there will always be the case of millimetres in it. So it's a hard one, but I, I just feel like there's got to be some sort of buffer to go in the way of the forwards and the attacking team. There's too many goals being ruled out for the slightest offside. I mean, you saw one in the West Brom game. I'm not going to talk about it in this game because it's literally just happened the day I'm recording it. Um, but the referee used the wrong player. <laughs> uh, I, it's just offsides and VAR and things like that. It, it's just inexplicable, isn't it? Some of the stuff that they say in and it's just a complete and utter joke. I mean, I'm a Villa fan. And I still think this is that this goal didn't count. I still think it's wrong. And I said it on Twitter as well that this goal, the Diogo, the uh, Roberto Firmino one, sorry, it 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 was a goal. There's no doubt in my mind that that was a goal. And one thing I've noticed with these offsides though is that the ones that actually look offside are somehow onside, and the ones that look miles onside are somehow given offside. It's it's just mental. Anyways, getting back to the game though. Um, 1-0 going into half-time. And I was really hoping that Villa would come out in the second half. A different team because we were seriously poor in that first half. But unfortunately, the mistakes just kept on coming. And it didn't take Liverpool long before they were back on level terms. Um, Andy Robertson's shot, I think it was from memory, smashed towards goal when Emmy Martinez parried it away. But unfortunately, only as far as Mo Salah, who turned the ball home. And just as the game was running down, Ross Barkley came on for Villa to try and secure things up with some fresh legs. But my God, the sooner he goes back to Chelsea, the better. He was on for 24 minutes, ambled around, gave the ball away whenever he got it. And it just seems like there's not a care in the world going through that man's body. Which is a massive shame. And he was up for, for Liverpool's winner as well. In the 90th minute, Ross Barkley was running through with the ball. He had Anwar El Ghazi and Ollie Watkins either side of him. But instead of playing an easy pass off, again, he gave the ball away. Which ultimately led to Liverpool bursting forward. Trent Alexander smashing the ball into the net. Absolutely gutting. Just 
absolutely gutting. The better team won in the end. Villa's European dreams are now over, which is bitterly disappointing. Um, But, yeah, I thought, especially the way that we started the season as well and the way that we have been playing at times this season, we should have and could have really made the most of a massive opportunity to get Europe which we just couldn't take. And it's so, so, so frustrating as a Villa fan, knowing that there was that massive opportunity to take there. And we completely fumbled it. Just gutting. Moving on, though, from the depressing Aston Villa talk and on to the next game that took place on Saturday, which was Crystal Palace against Chelsea at Selhurst Park. And I'm going to keep this one fairly short, to be honest. Um, There was only ever going to be one winner and that was confirmed after just 10 minutes when Chelsea went 2-0 up. Kai Havertz got the first goal of the afternoon and then just a couple of minutes later, he got the assist with Pulisic's first goal. And it's so good to see Havertz not only start, but get some game time. But not only the game time, it's also so good to see him get a goal and an assist as well. He's been written off as a flop by so many this season. But with everything that's happened this past year, his family haven't been able to see him. He's a 21-year-old lad from Germany, unable to see his friends even. It must have been so hard for him, but it's great to see him start to do well. Chelsea went on to score another two goals in a 4-1 win with Zuma and Pulisic getting the, the other goals for Chelsea. And Christian Benteke getting Palace's goal, which is always nice to see. I've spoken about Benteke before and you know how much I love him. So I'm buzzing every time he grabs a goal, to be honest. Burnley against Newcastle was never, ever going to be won for the neutral. But this was a massive game in the fight for relegation. Um, Burnley took the lead after just 15 minutes when Mate Vidra slotted the ball home from the middle of the box. For the rest of the game before Alan St. Maximin came on, It was very even. Both teams gave it a go. And I mean, Newcastle had to give it a go, didn't they? They couldn't just sit back and defend like they normally do. But until St. Maximin came on, they really didn't have anything to offer going forward. But that massive boost of being able to bring on Callum Wilson and St. Maximin off the bench paid off. As just two minutes after they came on, Newcastle got back on level terms. Jacob Murphy scored a cracking goal. And then not long after that, they were ahead. ASM doing what he does, doing going on a lovely little run and comfortably slotting the ball past Peacock Farrell, who was covering for the injured Nick Pope as Newcastle went ahead. Um, after that, we all knew what was coming. Time for Newcastle to do what they do best and soak up the Burnley pressure, which they did with ease as they ran out 2-1 winners. A massive, massive result for the Magpies, which now leaves them six points clear of Fulham in 18th. And in my opinion, I genuinely think that Newcastle have escaped it. At this stage of the season, six points is such a massive gap to claw back. But saying that, football is a very funny game, isn't it? It's one of those that can flip on its head. And I mean, West Brom, Fulham and Newcastle. They've all got a fairly tough run in as well. So it's certainly not going to be an easy one for any of them. And I'm actually really looking forward to watching it happen from afar, knowing that Villa aren't going to be involved. (laughs) This next game between West Ham and Leicester was always going to be one of those games of the weekend. 
And it certainly didn't disappoint. James Madison, Ayosi Perez, along with Hamza Chowdhury, were left out of the matchday squad due to breaking COVID reg- regulations, which is a massive shout for Brendan Rodgers to make in such an important game. And for such an important player like Madison to be missing, it really cost them. West Ham, as they have a fair bit in recent weeks, went 2-0 up with Jesse Lingard continuing his great form before Jared Bowen made it 3 to West Ham just after half-time. Um, I don't know about you, but I seem to be in the small minority here, but Jesse Lingard is still the same bang-average player that he always has been. Everyone is so invested and getting so carried away with how he just seems to be this magical player out of nowhere, Brazilian wonder kid who's all of a sudden burst on the scene. I mean, really, come on. He's so overhyped and so overrated. It's just ridiculous, in my opinion. And for people who saying he should be going to the Euros, in my opinion, it's pathetic. Who does he go instead of? Grealish, Foden, Mount, there's just no way that he's better than any of those. Um, Getting back to the game though, and we all know what happens when West Ham are 3-0 up. They go and let give the other team a chance. With 20 minutes to go, Kelechi Iheanacho continued his scoring form as well after making his seventh consecutive start. The longest run of starts since he started his professional career. And he got himself another as well, making it 3-2. With just four minutes of added time left, after that second Iheanacho goal, Leicester piled the men forward, but just couldn't make the most of it as the Hammers took all three points. Leaving them in fourth place, just a point off Leicester in third, and two points clear of Chelsea in fifth. Spurs against United was the penultimate game of the weekend, and I'll be honest, I thought this was a really boring game or certainly until Edison Cavani scored to put United ahead, which was then disallowed because in the build-up of the goal, Son was flicked in the face by Scott McTominay, which the referee somehow deemed a foul. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then 90 seconds after that goal was disallowed, Son himself put Spurs ahead. But fair play to United. They've done it a lot this season, and they fought back yet again, against Spurs on Sunday. Um, Fred, of all people, getting United back on level terms just before the hour mark. And then with 10 minutes to go, Mason Greenwood put in a beautiful ball to Edinson Cavani, who headed it into the back of the net, giving United the lead. And just to confirm the win for United, Mason Greenwood smashed home a third as United ran out 3-1 winners. After all that's happened to Greenwood in his personal life, It's great to see him come back and start to get some game time. And like Havertz, who I mentioned earlier, to get back to scoring ways and creating chances. I've always liked Greenwood, always thought that he was a great player. And like I say, it's just really good to see him back playing well again and hopefully continue it. That win, though, keeps United in second place, whereas it puts Spurs into fifth, five points off Chelsea in fifth. The final game of the weekend was Arsenal's trip to Sheffield to take on the bottom side. In a team with Lacazette surrounded by youngsters, it really helped Arsenal out. I've always been a fan of giving hungry youngsters a go and it seems to be working for Arsenal. Or certainly for this game anyways. 
just after the half an hour mark, Lacazette got his first goal of the evening, taking the Gunners into the break 1-0 up. Gabriel Martinelli made it two midway through the second half before Lacazette grabbed his second of the game and Arsenal's third, finishing it off nicely. That second for Lacazette will be a massive confidence booster and despite it only being Sheffield United, I do feel that there's plenty of positives to take from this game for Arsenal. With Fulham, Everton, Newcastle and West Brom their next four games, I see no reason whatsoever as to why they can't take maximum points from those games, which would of course be a massive boost to their European hopes for next season as well. I think the only thing that can stand in their way is the Europa League and whether they'll prioritise that over the league. I'm not sure, but you've always got to make sure that you get a strong finish to the season, haven't you? Which hopefully Arsenal will do. That concludes the first podcast back, though, from the couple of weeks break that I've had. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Please don't forget to drop me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at LTFootballPod. Stay tuned for another episode on Friday and take it easy. Have a good week and I'll see you all very soon. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.